There's a classic scene in the British version of the TV show, The Office, where manager David Brent, who is played so brilliantly by Ricky Gervais, is at an office costume party with his colleagues. Now, there is a couple dressed in 70s disco attire, and they do this really impressive, super choreographed, and really well done dance routine. It feels like you're watching Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta. I mean, it's good. David Brent's ego is pretty bruised by this impressive dance display. So even though he's not in costume and he has zero music ready, he decides to clear the dance floor to improvise a routine that he claims fuses flash dance with MC Hammer. And he gets everyone clapping out a beat along to get him going. It turns out to be this horrible mishmash of lame moves, and his dance is, is really quite terrible. It's so awkward for everyone in the room, except for David Brent, who just keeps dancing long after his co-workers have given up on the clapping, and he simply doesn't see that he looks, well, pretty foolish. It proves, like so many scenes in both the British and American versions of The Office, how a lack of self-awareness can really have embarrassing or even career-ending consequences. Now, it may be a stretch, but have you ever been in a situation like that? Would you even know if you had? Well, we've got some help. Dr. Tasha Urich is here to talk self-awareness and how to get better at it. That's what's happening on Relate. I'm Tamara Stanners, and this is Relate by Zendesk. And the relationship we're examining today is the one you have with everyone else in your life. Yeah, this is a big one. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> That's Andy Shepard, our producer. And we're talking about how we see ourselves. Yeah, I, but, but more importantly, how that view compares to how everyone else in your life sees you. Okay, that sounds real cool, but how are we going to do this comparison? Well, let's start with a little psychology statistic. 95% of people believe that they are self-aware. I am, for sure. But what does that actually <laughs> mean? I mean, they have a good sense of themselves and how other people view them. Is that it? Our data has shown that 95% of people think that they're already self-aware. But the real number is closer to 10 to 15%. This is Dr. Tasha Yurick. And I'm the author of Insight, why we're not as self-aware as we think, and how seeing ourselves clearly helps us succeed at work and in life. So she's been looking at the role that self-awareness plays in how we behave and how we are perceived by others. You know, perceptions that can have a big impact on our relationships and our careers. Self-awareness helps us relate to the world more effectively for, for so many reasons. Number one, it helps us figure out what we want to get out of our experience on this earth and figure out what, it, what experiences and opportunities to take advantage of and which not to. Number two, it helps us relate better to the people in our lives that are important to us. It helps us shore up and deepen and build our, our most important relationships with our, our friends, our family, our loved ones. And then third, it helps us relate better to ourselves. And what I mean by that is, is basically just having a, a you know, objective, curious mindset about who we are. Tash Yurik, 
wants us all to get serious about self-awareness. It's a, a lifelong, really rewarding process. There's so much evidence about all of the great things that, that self-awareness can unlock for us. Not only are they a lot better to work with, but they tend to be more successful at work. They get more promotions. They're better leaders. There's even some evidence um, financially that self-aware leaders actually make more money for their companies. So if I want to improve my own self-awareness, should I focus on the stuff I'm already doing, like journaling about what's going on in my head? Well, this is where things get a little bit tricky. Um, Tasha has found that, you know, deep dive, internally focused approach might not be as effective as, as you think. There are quite a few people who, you know, consider themselves maybe self-awareness aficionados and they love self-reflecting or they love writing in their journal. And the challenge we found there is actually so many of the, the ways that we commonly accept help us get in touch with ourselves are not only can they be ineffective, but sometimes they can actually be harmful to our self-knowledge. And so a lot of times people with really great intentions of kind of getting to know themselves better might be focused on the wrong things. Just one example is this idea that we assume that if we just spend time thinking about ourselves, um, introspecting, self-reflecting, that we will automatically know ourselves better. But what the research on this has shown is actually that the more we self-reflect, sometimes the less better we know ourselves. So in other words, there's an inverse relationship. Well, that is so counterintuitive to everything I've actually led myself to believe about myself and everybody else. So, <laughs> so what does this mean? Well, a big factor apparently is to not confuse self-absorption ah. with self-awareness. You think about the rise of social media or reality TV or the, the failed self-esteem movement, which is probably a whole other podcast. And the sum total of those societal phenomena are basically tempting us to be self-absorbed instead of self-aware. They're tempting us to see ourselves with rose-colored glasses or to count the number of likes we get on our particular post. And I, I call all of those things in some total the cult of self. And we may not be able to change the blind spots or the way we're wired, but we really can make a lot of headway in at least being aware of, of how much time we're spending uh, exalting ourselves in ways that aren't healthy or, um, you know, sort of objective. So if the self-reflective stuff we're doing, like journaling, can reinforce the unhelpful and maybe inaccurate perceptions of ourselves, what can we do to figure ourselves out? Well, Tasha suggests that we, you know, take a step back and just take a longer view of ourselves and our work and our relationships. What I tell people is instead of going, you know, deeply into yourself, it's better to look at patterns over time. Um, so, in, it, for example, if you're unhappy in your job, instead of delving down into that and really kind of getting in this spiral of self-loathing to say, when in my life have I been unsatisfied with my job in other situations? And, and what are the commonalities there? So it's a sort of um, pattern seeking that tends to be more effective than getting sucked into one thing or one question. In Tasha's work, she's looked closely at people who've really figured this self-awareness thing out. I mean, and she's found some really key traits that they all have in common. And so if we want to, you know, work on our self-awareness, looking to these people uh, as guides, as it can be 
sort of helpful. So the first thing self-aware people understand is their values. They they have an appreciation of the principles that they want to live their lives by. They also understand their passions. You know, what are those things that just make them jump out of bed in the morning with excitement? They understand their aspirations, which means knowing what they want to accomplish in their life and experience in their life. They understand um, where they fit, uh, you know, essentially what type of environment is going to make them feel happy and fulfilled. They also understand their patterns. So that's, you know, basically their personality. What are their consistent ways of behaving over time? And then finally, they have a clear understanding of the impact that they have on the people around them. Well, that's me. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) I feel like I know people who are pretty close to that, but they are few and far between. Yeah, I mean, it's rare, but it's, I think it's something to aspire to. Yeah. I mean, Tasha says focusing on some elements of this, you know, a little bit at a time, over time, that's what really leads to breakthroughs. And the, the key to unpacking some of this, she says, is figuring out what questions to ask ourselves. And so to get at each of those things, we could ask ourselves lots of, of different questions. But one of the most commonly asked questions to get there involves the word why. Okay, so if most of us aren't very self-aware, and most of us are asking ourselves, why, all the time? Why do I believe what I believe? Or why is that my principle? Or, you know, why did I have a fight with my spouse this morning? Do some of the answers lie in asking different questions than why? That's exactly it. And what the research on this has shown us pretty clearly is that not only do why questions um, depress us and increase our anxiety, which therefore makes it impossible to have clarity, but they, they sort of send us down this road that's that's not particularly helpful. So what our, what our highly self-aware people asked instead of why to get at each of those things is slightly different. It's the question, what? So, you know, instead of saying, why did I get in a f- fight with my spouse? I might say, um, you know, what were my contributions to that situation? Or what do I need to do differently in the future to avoid that again? Or what do I need to do to repair, you know, the the, uh, crisis we're having in our relationship at the moment? And the difference there is why questions tend to be emotional and backwards looking and what questions are rational, action oriented and future focused. So this research really taps into the behavior-based approach to self-improvement rather than this, you know, the deep dive psychoanalysis type of approach. Oh, I love that, though. I know. <laughs> but, but, but Tasha's, you know, she's got a practical approach. So her work involves executive coaching. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the series uh, Billions. No, but I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> but there's, there's uh, one of the show's main characters is Wendy Rhodes, who works for a hedge fund company. Uh, she's the, the, you know, the on-site psychologist. Now, not every company has an on-site psychologist. They should. They have some armchair psychologists, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. But it's a growing field. You know, more and more industries recognize the real costs to, you know, the bottom line if there's this dysfunction in the workplace. And a lot of that dysfunction, I can only surmise, is tied to the lack of self-awareness. Yeah. So Tasha tells the story of one particular executive. So I I coached an executive. uh, We can call him Steve. Steve's boss brought Tasha in to help. Because, you know, unbeknownst to Steve, he was on really thin ice. He was about to be fired. He had no idea. Now, 
you know, the company valued what he could do in many ways, but he also had a lot of unhealthy, uh, unproductive work habits. His employees were quitting in droves. There was one person I remember I talked to who had actually started taking blood pressure medicine because of the stress that Steve, their boss, was causing them. And Steve, in talking to him the first time, I, instead of saying, wow, things are going really badly, I, I remember I got sort of a lecture about what a great leader he was. And our process was a difficult one. You know, very often as an executive coach, I'm brought in to tell very senior, very powerful people the truth about how they're showing up or who they are when nobody else wants to. And it was a tough process. I had to sort of bring him this information and he fought it. And eventually he started to absorb it and he started to connect the dots. And over many, many months, we we worked on some of his biggest issues. You know, he would yell at his direct reports or he would just give them directives instead of coaching them. And, and little by little, we chipped away at those and we started to change his behavior over time. And what was so amazing was within eight or 10 months, he had staged a complete turnaround, not just of how he was showing up at work, but he was actually seeing some pretty significant positive effects of that work at home as well with his um, wife. And I think he had a couple of teenage daughters at the time. So that tells me at the end of the day that no matter how sad anyone makes us, how unself-aware they start out, if Steve got there and if he made that transformation, made that commitment, did the work, almost anybody can get there. That is so intense. And it's so great that some companies can actually afford this. But What about for those of us who work for or with the Steves of the world, and I have, uh, who aren't getting that coaching? Well, it's not you, (laughs) emotional support, Andy, uh, who aren't getting that kind of coaching. Is there anything we can do to bring those people around ourselves? Tasha advises, you know, you definitely tread lightly on that front. Uh, It's called self-aware for a reason. It's very tricky to prompt others to work on this stuff. So I worked for an especially unaware boss before I started my company, you know, seven or eight years ago. And what I found was, you know, I sort of had a couple of of, uh, disastrous attempts to help him grasp the the effect his behavior was having on my team and I, and I abandoned that. I learned my lesson. And what I started to discover was even if I couldn't change his behavior, I could, I could help myself better deal with it and better manage my reactions to him and the time that we spent together. And there was one trick that just popped into my head one day. Um, I was getting my, you know, weekly tongue lashing as he was often want to do with the, the people that worked for him. And I, all of a sudden, my favorite TV show from when I was little popped into my head and it was the Mary Tyler Moore show. And the main character, Mary works for this surly kind of mean caustic boss, um, named Lou Grant. And what was funny about it was with the, the the laugh track that was behind everything he said, it sort of automatically made these comments endearing or at least more bearable. And so what I started doing just as a, you know, sort of desperate to try anything was when my boss said something really nasty, I would picture a laugh track behind what he said. And I don't know if it's because it jolted me out of, you know, the misery that I was in at that moment or whether it just helped me see the situation slightly differently, but that has been a saving grace for me. That's pretty clever and a 
pretty easy thing to do, really. Well, she's all about the tiny changes, you know, tiny but consistent over time. One of them is called the daily check-in, and it's designed to help us review what happened that day and extract insight without getting sucked into that spiral that we were talking about before of you know self-loathing and overanalyzing. Basically, at the end of the day, ask yourself three questions, and it could be on your way from driving home from work or on the train or as you're you know getting ready for bed in the evening. You want to ask number one, what went well today? Number two, what didn't go well today? And number three, how can I use that insight to be smarter tomorrow? And we found that pretty much all of the highly self-aware people that we've studied do this in some form or fashion. And the great thing about it is it takes literally less than three or four minutes of just focused thought. And I think that's something that most of us really do have the time to incorporate. Dr. Tasha Urich is an organizational psychologist, researcher, and New York Times bestselling author. Her latest book is called Insight, Why We're Not As Self-Aware As We Think and How Seeing Ourselves Clearly Helps Us Succeed at Work and in Life. If you want to get a sense of how self-aware you are, Tasha has a quiz on her website to learn more. I'm going to do it right now at insight-quiz.com. Special thanks to Tina Pitaway for that interview and for helping to put this episode together. And thanks, Andy. I feel so much more self-aware because of this. Thank you. <laughs> I see you better than I did before. <laughs> Good. So there is a clear connection to self-awareness and doing really, really well in your career. So there's an article on the Relate Online magazine called When the Midlife Career Crisis Hits. And it's all about how improving your self-awareness can lead you to a new and more fulfilling career. I am in. Check it out at relate.sendesk.com. Although I do love this career. <laughs> I was going to say. Like I'm super happy here. <laughs> I love it, but uh-huh. there's always room for growth, Andy. That's it for Relate this week. Next week, an amazing story about the search for artificial intelligence in world-class checkers. I'm super good at checkers, but I would be afraid to go up against this machine. It is the perfect story of man versus machine. In the meantime, subscribe to Relate for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and we'll get that episode to you automatically. For articles on how to connect with your customers, in deeper, more meaningful ways, visit relate.zendesk.com. And for a free trial of our customer service software, check out zendesk.com. I'm Tamara Stanners. Talk to you next week.